0: This is the Common Sense Podcast presented by Tamar. I'm your host, Tamar Weinberg, founder and CEO of Tamar, and I will be talking to people of all walks of life who have suffered adversity and overcome to rise above the ashes and now make self-care and wellness an absolute priority. Hi, everybody. I am so delighted and excited to introduce Helena Fogarty from New York. We are almost neighbors, or we were almost neighbors at one point, and we connected last week. I got to learn a little bit about her. So I do have a little bit of background, but not enough because I have the pleasure to do that right now. So thank you so much for joining. Yeah,
1: absolutely. This is wonderful.
0: Yeah, yeah. So tell, tell us, where, where are you located on the planet? What's your, what, what are you doing these days? I love that question
1: <laughs> on the planet. Um, I'm located in the Rockaways in Queens, New York. And uh, we're surfers. My husband and I and my daughter are surfers, which is why we relocated here um, after we moved uh, back from abroad. And um, we love it here. I live about 50 yards away from the bay and about half a mile away from the ocean. And you walk out of my
0: house, and it's sand. That's awesome. That is so cool. I need views. I need pictures.
1: It requires a lot of sweeping.
0: (laughs) I can only imagine. And it's great. Yeah, is there is there ever a time like when it's not too much sweeping, or is it like an annual? Is it like literally seasonal? I guess every single Uh, season.
1: Yeah, it's literally year round. I guess if there's snow on the ground, we don't have so much sand in our house. But um, it's just like it's not like we live on a grassy knoll by the sand. We live on sand, so it just comes in.
0: You know. (laughs) That's so cool. Very very cool. Cool. Yeah. I'm. I definitely want a picture of this. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Cool. So I know you have a really interesting career. I mean, we met in the founders group, um, and I want to hear a little bit about that. Tell me a lot about your story.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So, um, I am a four time startup CEO, three time founder, and I have started and run a variety of businesses, um. For a variety of reasons, and then prior to that, I worked in fashion in New York for 20 years, for Chanel and Ferragamo and Zac Posen, among others. Harper's Bazaar. Um, I went to University of Pennsylvania undergrad, and I worked in the early ages of e-commerce. So, uh, the the fiber that wound through my my career has always been like, you know, internet, e-commerce and fashion um and so uh you know we we were going to talk about like kind of the ups and downs there um I left I actually left New York and I left um Chanel at the time in 2000 early 2009 and I thought I was going to run Chanel (laughs) and I uh I had other people telling me I was, you know, going to get a promotion and, and, and possibly eventually run the company, right? And uh, instead I got fired. Oh no. <laughs> I got laid off right at the beginnings of the Great Recession. And um, as I mentioned, I'm a surfer. I had been studying Spanish for a long time, but had to become fluent. And I like to go down to Costa Rica to surf. So uh, I noticed that there was nothing really happening in the, in the world uh, in terms of jobs at that time. And so I went down to Costa Rica. I had I had recently gotten out of a, a very long-term relationship, 11 years, and I had gotten fired from a job I thought I was going to be in for the rest of my life. And so I was like, hey, maybe New York in January isn't such a great place to be. <laughs> so I had been going down to Costa Rica to surf, and I went down there for a month to check it out and see if I could live there um, and move from you know a city of 9 million people to, a town of three thousand, and I went there and I, I absolutely loved it. Um, that month, I served probably four hours a day and I studied Spanish four hours a day, and um, lived in a little cabin uh, by the beach. And uh, then I came home, and it was still miserable here. <laughs> it was, it was at that point, it was you know like the time during spring when you think it should be nice and it's not yet nice. Yep. And we were still in the Great Recession, and nothing was happening job-wise. So I, uh, I rented out my apartment, had my dog. Um, no, I had my dog. When I went down for the short time, I had my dog taken care of by my ex. But I, I got all the paperwork for her, and she and I moved down there. And we moved down there with an open-ended ticket, not knowing whether I'd be there for a month or for a long time. And I ended up staying for nine years. Wow. Um, and when I first got there, I was surfing, as I said, like four hours a day, and again, taking Spanish four hours a day. I then started a company um, doing uh, production work for uh, US uh, U.S. brands to shoot commercials on the beach during the winter time. That's cool. Yeah, it was cool. And uh, I did that speaking in Spanish. <laughs> wow. Um, so, so that was fun. And then uh, along that time as well, um, I met my, the person who's now my husband. And we got engaged. And then uh, we decided to try to have a baby. And we did right away, which was crazy. Got pregnant right away. Um, so that meant that I wasn't going to be spending so much time, 16-hour days in this hot sun in Costa Rica. So I shut down that company and started working on another project that I had been um, planning, which was a swimwear company, a bathing suit company called Miola. And our tagline was, we make sexy bikinis that stay on. And uh, I started raising money for that. Um, I did a Kickstarter just to fund the samples. And then I started really building this company as a big idea. Um, I have an MBA from NYU. I knew that there were different ways to run companies. And this was not going to be, my vision was not a tiny bikini shop in Costa Rica. My vision was taking over the world and uh, creating Swimsuits that were better, that were sexy and stylish, and you could do yoga in or surf in and not lose your top or bottom. And to have customers around the world, and eventually move into other clothing and making it more functional as well as stylish. Because from my time working at Chanel and Ferragamo and Zach Posen, I had amazing clothes right. and I had great shoes, <laughs> but you know, not things that were so functional, you know. Um, I could wear them in New York. I could wear them in San Francisco. I could wear them in Paris. But like anywhere else, kind of out of place. Uh, so that was my that was my dream. And I raised money with investors. Um, I got our suits into Sports Illustrated, New York Times, Elle magazine, Outside magazine ranked us as the best swimsuits for auto for wa- water women uh, three years in a row. Um, so hit all those things out of the park. Raised over 1.2 million dollars. Had customers in 38 countries. Had super loyal customers that would come back and buy suits for me, three or four suits every year. Wow! And um, we were on our way to raising. And I invested a lot of time in this. And remember, I at this point I had a baby. Right. And I would say that my company got more focus and potentially more time for me than my baby. Um, we're good though so. <laughs> she still loves me <laughs> she's big not bigger now um and luckily for that actually my my daughter's always been incredibly demanding so she demanded attention from me it was great um and we were on our way to uh raising our proper seed seed round of over you know of 1.5 million at one point like at one time whereas i the money i'd raised before had been multiple um stages And we had a deal fall through that yanked our runway out from underneath us, and we had to shut down. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: here I was with a business that I'd been building for nine years. I had sacrificed so much for it. I had sacrificed, you know, family time. I wasn't uh, a great, like, a great spouse. I wasn't a great friend i wasn't a great you know like there's definitely places i could have improved because my i had this insane focus and grit on my goal and it all of a sudden went away <laughs> and it seemed to be the culmination of everything i'd done at that point it made complete sense uh in terms of my career and it, it went away and i lost uh, my entire investment in the company and i lost you know the the investors who invested in our company um didn't get their money back and we had to shut down wow. So that was, uh, that was really catastrophic for me. And um, I had to have conversations with all my investors and let them know what happened um, because those were my relationships and my network and I was the one that brought them in. And then I had to let our vendors know that we were shutting down and in some cases weren't getting paid. And then I had to let our customers know that we were shutting down. And each of those stages is like- It's difficult. Yeah, each, each is like mourning again. Right. Um, and it's funny because by the time you get to the customers, they're like, "Isn't there anything you could do?" And you're like, "No, actually, at <laughs> point, there's not." <laughs> and you know, you, you can be kind of, you know, pithy about it or, or light about it because, you know, at that point, I knew I had already I had already pulled all the rabbits out of the hat that I could. Um, so uh, I thought that was in March of 2019. I thought that I would be sitting on the couch crying and watching games of thrones from the beginning to the end uh, up until the April, whatever, you know, the last, the, the date that the, the final um, season started. <laughs> and uh, I thought that everything was a waste. I thought that I was gonna have to become like a virtual assistant or go be a receptionist someplace. Um, yeah, it was not good. I thought I might be walking dogs for WAG you know, it was, it was a a dark place. And within two weeks, I actually, um, because of the work I'd done with Miola and the network I had, I was offered a job to be CEO of another company. And, uh, I was taking over for a founder who had literally broken her back and, um, yeah. And so I took over for her company and, uh, and felt good about myself again, <laughs> which is which is in itself a relationship, like that, that's that's kind of funny, right? You know, yeah, I'm feeling full of myself, this failure, and all of a sudden I get another job, and I'm like, oh, everything's fine. Um, so uh, that company was also troubled. And uh, you know, I think that in Miola, my company that went under, I, I broke my figurative, like financial back, emotional back, psyche, you know, like I, I broke like all of these things. I didn't take care of myself, health-wise, or financial, or emotional, or spiritual. And um, and then I was taking care taking over for a founder who had literally broken her physical back. Like no joke, she was she was scheduled for a spinal surgery a couple weeks after I started.
0: Oh wow.
1: And wasn't planning on coming back to the company. <laughs> wow. Um. So uh, yeah, I took over for her, and the board um, hired me to, first of all, let them know what was going on with the company, and then to evaluate it and decide what the next best steps, steps would be. And uh, this is a company that was a consumer packaged goods company. It was a responsibly sourced hot cocoa and brownie mix company. Really delicious stuff and um, made in the most ethical way possible because chocolate can be a very dirty business in terms of child slavery and um, no living wages and things like that. And we were working with cooperatives in Ghana and the Dominican Republic where um, people were being paid a living wage. So in addition to like selling something delicious and wonderful, we felt like we were doing good in the world. And um, unfortunately the company was uh, challenged when I joined. Within two weeks of uh, joining, we got the news that because of some decisions made in 2018 that it impacted sales, that we were losing um, half of our distribution. So we were going from over 4,000 points of distribution to 2,000 points of distribution in about a month. And uh, up until that point, I was like, hey, I'm so excited. Let's make this like a hybrid direct-to-consumer and wholesale business. It's an amazing brand. This is going to be so great. Uh, and if we make it a success, we can get in more money. You know, this is going to be so awesome. And then we lost all our, you know, half our distribution. And there was no way that we could sell the brand. Um, and we weren't able to raise money and the company was not profitable. So I was given a gift in like having to shut down my company, which was terrible and emotional and dreadful for me personally. And then I had to come in and I'm still in the final stages of shutting down another company where we had the money to do it right. I was not emotional. There was no sunk cost for me. And that had some benefits and some negatives. So the benefits are that like, I could look at this company and say, this was an amazing company and people loved it, and yet it still went out of business. And that gave me some perspective on my company. Um, I also learned how to shut down a company well, <laughs> the right way. And um, you know, I was—it was difficult because I was much more lighthearted and non-emotional about the process, which is helpful in getting it done. And perhaps not—I I may not have been the most sensitive to some of the friends and family investors who had invested in the company early on. Like the majority were uh, institutional investors, and they got it right. Um, but there was one investor who reached out to me and, um, said, you know, what does this all mean? And I said, well, it means that your investment is gone. And probably I could have been a little bit softer about that. Had I, you know, had I had a little bit more knowledge of, you know, who that person was and that she's a person, not a company and, you know, those sort of things, Right. where, you know, when you bring on your own investors, you know, that stuff down cold, because that's your relationship um, when you're taking over and there's over 300 investors in the company, uh, you can do your research on the person and look at how much they invested, but you don't always know the backstory. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, wow. So, um, also during this period of time, um, I just decided it was my mission to become fully transparent on, uh, failure of my company. And other uh, other experiences that I've been in. So, with the perspective that I have from shutting down this new company and from Miola, um, I think it's really important to be transparent about this with other founders. Um, mostly, it's been female founders that I've been talking to, and that mission became even more important as we entered this year in COVID, hit, right? Because a lot of people were having to make a lot of hard decisions, and so. Uh, I am in the process of still shutting down this new company, and I uh, took a year to be trained as a uh, as a coach, and I've been coaching founders of companies, entrepreneurs, um, and the coaching is really you know, our my clients come with their own agenda, and they drive the bus, but I am definitely looking out for their well-being, right? Because I think that we uh, we as founders. Um, often just ignore that and compartmentalize and we put all, I I know I put all my, you know, quote, eggs in one basket. And if my company was doing well, I was having the best day ever. And if my company was doing bad, it was, whoa, that was really not a good day. Um, And I think that there's a lot more power and a lot more, um, yeah, internal power from taking care of the person as a whole and uh, not being so reactive, you know, so when I say, that everything was all right and great and I could go to my college reunion once I got the new job, like, nothing really changed, (laughs) you know? It was just that I now had a job and I wouldn't be embarrassed to say that I had to shut down my company. And I think that there's a stronger place to come from where I try to operate from more often these days, where it's just knowing that I am a strong kick-ass entrepreneur Regardless of what the circumstances
0: are, that's it. Right. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's crazy. That's a great story, though. I mean, you know, you, you should write a book. It's it's pretty yeah. fascinating. <laughs> I've,
1: heard I've heard people, people say that. that. I'm like, uh, I don't know if it would be that interesting.
0: <laughs> you got to figure out how to weave in the emotionality, if you will, of, yeah. of the story, because there is a lot. Like, it's like I'm sitting here and it's hard for me to interrupt because like you know i'm like into it and you have this like it's like ups and downs and ups and downs it's like a roller coaster you have this whole roller coaster story yeah and
1: that's what it's like to be
0: an entrepreneur right right i guess it's your yeah it's it's never it's never easy and a lot of people i mean right now covid times are bringing out a lot of uh, entrepreneurship which is great uh and and it's, it's, this is like, it might be the right time because this, there, I I guess it fosters a sense of resilience
1: to some degree. Yeah. It's one of my favorite words. Um, you know, it's like, here's what I found both in the good parts and the bad parts of entrepreneurship. People love to gloss over and hide the details. And that makes me a little frustrated. Like I remember going to a big conference and there was, uh, I think it was a woman from True & Co., I'm not sure, an, a lingerie brand, and she was up there, and she's lovely, and she's like, so I'm just a girl who couldn't find a bra that would fit, and I bought 200 bras and put them out on my bed, and none of them fit, and so I started a company, and the next thing I know, we launched, and our website was down because there was too much traffic, and that's all that, how this happened, and I actually asked her, I said, uh, that's a lovely romantic story, but what's the money story (laughs) what's the real story she's like oh i used to work for a VC, and i started with three million dollars and so like that's that's still valid that doesn't denigrate anything about someone's entrepreneurial journey but by hiding those kind of details it's a handicap for people who are coming behind
0: right yeah you want to identify
1: yeah because people want to think oh i can start a huge company with my $10 in the bank, and a Kickstarter. And you know, I know that sounds naive, but here I was, I had a business degree, I had 20 years in fashion, I knew I had to raise money, and I thought the fact that I raised like, you know, 500,000 was huge, right? I shouldn't, I I now know that like, I wouldn't start a company without having raised 3 million. Right,
0: wow.
1: And to have a team, and to pay my team, and to pay myself,
0: yeah, the struggle of bootstrapping is real. You're validating yeah. it.
1: <laughs> but but again, that's like that's coming from a boots like from a decision that I want to make a large company right. and I'm willing to give up part of my company and maybe part of my control. Whereas bootstrapping is its own beautiful thing. And if you bootstrap and you do it correctly, you're in charge.
0: Right, right. And you've got all the all the spoils. Yeah. And I certainly I certainly grapple with the struggle of that should i be doing this should i be doing that and i just took a class actually i took a course uh on like understanding what vc is all about yeah it is so intimidating yeah it is it actually made me realize that i don't think i ever want to get vc funding yeah well i
1: when i say if i do another company with this
0: point of view and i want three million dollars in the bank
1: i also know that i probably won't get vc funding because of, of my, my age and age my gender, too. yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so it's possible, and I'm not pushing. You <laughs> it no, is possible worry. to raise that type of money from super angels and from uh, friends and family. It just takes more meetings, you know. Right.
0: Yeah, of course. I'm not. I'm not averse to that type of thing. I've I've had people volunteer to want to kind of butch, uh, fund my business, but I don't want to. I don't want to give up the control right now. Yeah. I don't want to feel pressured. I want to make this happen on my own pace and. I had, in fact, I had a, like I, I had someone on sweat equity, and eventually um, it just wasn't fast enough for her, so she walked away. Yeah. And honestly, it made me feel better because I realized that the areas that you know that person was involved in, I I could have ex- executed a little faster and made things more efficient. So now I have the ball back in my court and. At the end of the day, the responsibility, the, everything is now like on me. I want to become a huge company because I think the mission that I have is huge. Yeah. But figuring that all out, and me and getting to that next step is is, is the hard part. But that, that we'll save that for coaching. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think I think it's great. So yeah. Uh, it, so I guess I, it's hard to to say in for you. Um, Cause you, you talk about like a lot of the adversity that you're hitting, I guess that's your, your, that, those are your stories. Those are the stories that kind of answer that, that second part of my podcast, which is your rise of adversity. I mean, like I, like I said, you know, I'm feeling like I'm on this roller coaster with you. I guess that, that, that's the relatable part.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, um, yeah, I, I, sorry, I jumped. That is my story.
0: Okay. No, no, don't, don't worry. Don't apologize because sometimes you weave it in. <laughs> Honestly, my my launch of my business came from my own personal, um my career came from a completely different dark place in my life. So it's it's yeah. it's, it's it's no 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 apologies. Sometimes sometimes the a career slash adversity story is, is is like one answer, and sometimes they're completely different. And some people are like, I don't even have an answer for you on one of those one of those two things. And I'm like. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. So so it's totally fine. That's great. great. No, but it's it's good and there's lots to learn from and I think there's lots to learn from you as well cuz you really have been able to kind of experience just a, a large variety of of I don't know wins and losses and you kind of are able to, you know, grow stronger from it. So, yeah,
1: hopefully yeah, that, that that's, uh, the, that's uh, the that's the idea. idea.
0: Yeah, cool. <laughs> Awesome. So let me, let, let's jump into the next part then. Um, yeah. tell me, tell me a little bit about your, what you I mean, outside of surfing, I'm going dis- to disclose your disclaimer in the beginning, outside of surfing, what's your self-care routine? Although you can still say it, you can say yeah. it.
1: Um, so it's, it's, it's not, you know, I'm like, uh, stuttering here. It's not always easy for me to focus on it. So I actually bought, um, I have like a self-care tracker that I bought and uh, some of the things I'm really good at and come really easily to me and some of the things less. So So um, what is a a tracker? Explain that. Oh, it's a calendar with little check marks um, that say that the habits that I want to do daily and weekly and monthly. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, And when I first bought it, I was like, this is my first month using it. I was like, this is, this is stupid. stupid why am I buying this I'm buying it I'm so excited and I, I actually love it um, because there's certain things that I said that come really easily and naturally to me um, you know exercise like I've been an athlete my whole life so uh, I never understood I know there's some people out there that don't exercise you know five times a week or four times a week but I've always been someone that does so um, you know that that's always checked on here but Um, you know, I, I work to, I'm a good sleeper, but I don't get enough sleep, uh, exercise daily. I meditate for five to 10 minutes each morning. Um, I set, uh, I set an intention for the day and not an intention in like, I'm going to go make a thousand dollars or $10,000 or a million dollars more. more where I'm coming from for the day. So, um, like today's is brilliance and compassion, um, you know, which allows me by thinking that this is my stand for the day, brilliance and compassion, that I'm going to be compassionate to other people, which is doesn't always come easily to me. And that I want to be brilliant and that I'm intelligent, but also like the light, right? And setting a stand for the day helps me because it's really easy for me as a new yorker um or maybe just me uh let's not say anything bad about new yorkers but it's really easy for me to go into a cynical um maybe negative complainy
0: curse word curse word, word, curse word, curse word kind word. of way. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Definitely hashtag New Yorker.
1: Yeah, you know, where the F word is just like another syllable that you add into words. Um, so, yeah, I I find that by coming from a different place and setting that intention at 6 or 6.30, 6 a.m. or 6.30, that it changes the way that I'm being. And through a lot of the work that I've done as a coach, and I have a coach, I try to be a lot more open to people, and listening to them, and that has opened up a lot of lot more uh, opportunities for connection. Whereas before, I would just be like, "Hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? Oh, great. Okay, I've talked to you for two minutes. I gotta go. Right? Um, I try to lean leave a little bit more room to connect with people. But anyway, on my list of of of, of um, self care, right? Meditate, exercise. No snacking, I'm no good at that. I, that has no check marks. Um, play with my kid, like have some play. Uh, cuddle with my dogs, that's important. Um, have fun with my spouse, have fun for me. And then there's some business stuff in there. So that's those are the things that I do and that I strive to do consistently.
0: Yeah, I like it. You know, as far as setting intention, um, so I launched this perfume brands and it's really interesting cause my whole story is that I was depressed and perfume changed my life. And now every time I reach out to anybody and I tell them about the perfume, cause like, you know, I, I launched a Kickstarter campaign or sorry, I, I, I women campaign campaign. Um, my objective was to make sure that every single time when somebody puts on the perfume, they set it, that intention yeah and the the whole thing is like like sniff your wrist throughout the day and revisit that intention and hopefully it'll change your life. So like slowly that is beautiful. supposed to be some sort of suggestive stuff and it the intention is to try something a little bit different and over time this should have gradual impacts on on who you are and you know yeah in yeah. your life. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's very different from the from what you're you know you deal with with like Chanel and Chanel perfume, because it's all, it's completely different. It's not, it's not, it's not an internal process more. That, that product is a, is an external product. Yeah, but I
1: I, I just think it's so, it's such a cool way because when you're sitting here, if you put
0: perfume on your wrist
1: and you're moving around, you're going to start smelling it and it'll remind you,
0: it'll remind you of your intention. Right. Right. Amazing. So there's a lot of suggestiveness and I'm, you know, once the packaging is finalized, it's going to be on the box. It's going to be really, really, I'm trying to, I consider this disruptive. It's really, really hard. Uh, but that's, that's really the thought process here. I want this to effectively disrupt the way people are using perfume to do it for themselves with intention. And hopefully over time, it will have that gradual impact of, you know, having adding happiness or health wealth success whatever you really are trying as far as your intention is concerned yeah in your life i I see
1: it it as more than just disruptive disruptive in perfume perfume. i think it's disruptive in in, you know know, the the way way that that, like people people are are. yeah it's a bigger bigger, like when you're saying that like that could have a bigger ripple effect a hundred percent
0: yeah it's amazing but this is but perfume becomes an anchoring tool. So yeah. some people need to have something in their minds to yeah. that kind of does it for them.
1: No, that's what I'm saying. I think it's I think it's an amazing idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: you know, it's, so it's like, like there's this idea of intention, intention, and then like there's another idea that I was playing around with this morning when I was walking my dogs, which is you know, like, like setting a commitment hey, for the day or me of what I'm, what I'm committed, committed to. to. Um, um, and like, that's a funny, funny thing, right? right? Cause I, I don't know if we, we talked about this before, but like I can be committed to my health. I can be committed to working out. I can be committed to losing weight. But if you actually look at my behavior, I'm really committed to eating chocolate too. Like that's not on my list of commitments, but like that's, that's a pretty consistent commitment I got there. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, in terms of well-being, self care, in addition, in addition to my, my intention, intention like, renewing like renewing what my, my commitments, commitments are at the beginning of the day, you know, know my like, commitments in terms like of building my business, business my commitments in terms, terms of taking of care of myself and, and taking care of my, and care of my family, family and, and remembering that. And like, and I love, I love that, that, you know, when we're talking about uh, your, your fragrances, fragrances like, fragrances like and that and is also, I you know it's a little bit different from intention, but that's also an anchoring thing. Like you
0: remember, oh wait,
1: Am and I gonna eat this to chocolate, chocolate, or am or I committed to six, six pack abs? Like, which one?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I could go on a massive tangent here, but I'm gonna make it very brief. So I mm-hmm. took the class. Uh, I, I've I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, but I took the class, uh, the science of well being by Lori Santos, mm-hmm. uh, which is offered for free on Coursera right now. Anyone yeah, yeah. can take it, and she um, she talks about how uh, in one of her like. I guess like week five, six or seven or something like that, probably she, she has this person who talks about this, this process called the whoop W O O P. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just see, hold on. I'm going to see what it stands for. Uh, what does it stand for again? Uh, whoop is a tool. It means wish outcome, obstacle, and plan. And the idea is that you say something your wish, for example, you want six pack abs, your obstacle (laughs) there's there's chocolate in my way, your outcome, well, yeah, you want six. So yeah, your wish is that I am going to avoid chocolate, whatever. I'm going to be healthy. Your outcome is going to be, I want six pack abs. Your obstacle is going to be, I like the Uh chocolate too much. And your plan is like, and then it, it, it frames it into a, if I see chocolate, I am going to push it out of my way, and, and and you do this, it becomes suggestive. You're supposed to actually there's a little bit of visualization in it. Yeah. yeah. And in time, that there they actually have scientific studies that people who have applied this whoop strategy have actually their lives over time, even like ten months later or ten weeks later, whatever it was. It, over long they did a longitudinal study and they actually determined that there is an outcome, a positive outcome. Uh, for those people who have applied this whoop strategy. So there isn't, you can, you can either do what I did and just kind of like listen to what I just said, or you can actually, there's an app for, uh, at least for the Android. I assume there's also for iOS and you put it on your, your phone. It's, it's very, it's very basic, but I have like two whoops that one of them, I'm not perfect on (laughs) the second one I put in last night. So we'll see how I do. But you know, the, I like chocolate too. And I get it. I actually bought a bunch of chocolate, like, three weeks ago and it came like it got delivered last week and it's like literally in my nightstand drawer and i could totally just grab it at my as at my convenience but i'm going to for now i'm going to stick to my guns and avoid it yeah Yeah. and i think it's potentially because of whoop right now so that's cool yeah you should try that let me know how it goes
1: i'm downloading it right now
0: (laughs) okay awesome awesome (laughs) Sweet. And Sweet. I,
1: I wrote down the science of well-being.
0: I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, it's a great course. I mean, it's it's really just happiness stuff There's a book. I actually she recommended some course readings and I actually like it's weird because I don't do this in, I never did this in college. I wasn't into like learning for learning's sake There's a, a book right now the how of happiness by Sonia Lyub, uh, L-Y-U-B-O, Lyub, Lyubomirsky L-Y-U-B-O-M-I-R-S-K-Y I can't uh-huh. pronounce that for the life of me and she is first of all she's an amazing writer and second of all i'm like halfway through right now and it's very very good uh that's a great one i mean you'll learn a lot of it in the lesson but um it's it's definitely a, an extra reading book if you want i read there's another book called nudge that she recommended uh-huh. um i was not as much of a fan of that because it had way too many political tie-ins it's it's basically like you know, we could potentially use a nudge to push ourselves in a direction of uh, pushing. Like for the 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 example is like when you're in the cafeteria, if healthy food is seen first, you're te- effectively nudged in the direction of uh, pers- pursuing. Healthier foods. If the unhealthy food is there, it's like a subconscious uh, impact. So half of like the the it's an interesting concept for sure, but it became very political. Like maybe we should do it for this and for healthcare and for this and uh, and I just was like that that part. I, I just wanted to kind of hear how to become better a better person versus <laughs> a let's let's let the government employ what happened in Switzerland and just like yeah so maybe not don't read that one (laughs) it was i was so I was like the best book that i've read so far this year has been this one book on happiness the how of happiness but like the worst book that i read so far was recommended in the same course so Uh, so funny it's 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 up to you i mean some people might like that i for me personally i want to get growth i want to i read books for business and personal growth yeah and I don't necessarily like I'm not going to be able to make changes in in like, you know, how how we effectively run our health care. I mean, it, it's like it's like they want us to be the audience for the government, uh, the things that they want the government to do. And that's not me. So yeah. yeah. anyway, <laughs> ramble. All right. <laughs> So let me, let me, let me, let me know for, I really, I really do want to know how the whoop works for you. Yeah, um, I you I'm, I, I've written
1: all, yeah.
0: I've got a cool. little bit of, of homework. Right. To do. Okay, good, good. I love giving homework. <laughs> uh, yes. And it's good because I know you'll be throwing some homework in my direction one, one day soon.
1: Yeah. Very yeah. soon. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Cool. So let me, let me ask you, I have one last question for you. And if you were to give an earlier version of Helena, some piece of advice, what would you tell her? the common sense question for the Common Sense podcast.
1: The first thing that comes to mind is just regarding my business, and it would be raise a lot more money and pay myself. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's valid. It's definitely valid. Uh, It's like the the one thing that I do is I don't necessarily Blow. I, I don't necessarily try to hit a home run when I start my business. I make sure that I'm like playing both football and, and well not football cause I don't like football, tennis and baseball at the same time. Yeah. So I have, I have some sort of financial cushion to some degree.
1: Yeah. And, and that's like, that's like advice that's very particular to my situation. Right. And that's if you decide like, if someone decides that they're going to raise investment money,
0: you're, you're putting it all forward. That's, that's yeah. also the challenge that I had.
1: Yeah, if someone's gonna make that, that choice, then
0: raise a lot, right? You know, yeah.
1: and and be, and be aggressive. aggressive.
0: Yeah, yeah, because you definitely deserve for that effort, so 100%. Yeah, 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 and that's that's sort of like the philosophy of like bootstrapping versus VC, and it's just, yeah. a, you know, sometimes you'll never see that money. That's sort of where the class was showing me. The class was like, yeah, and if you sell your business at a loss, the the investor will make the money and the entrepreneur oh, won't. Yeah. And, And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm never going into the VC world Um, ever.
1: Oh, yeah. And and then, you know, if you give away too much control, you can get
0: voted out of your own company and like all
1: those things. All those things happen. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Lots of interesting insights. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I found that. I find that. I I think you're right. I think that's, I I think eventually there'll be a point where I'll be having that conversation with myself and be like, is that where I want to be? But hopefully, maybe not. Hopefully not. (laughs) And there's other ways to go. Yeah.
1: You know, yeah. there's other ways to get capital. Maybe yeah. not as much, but there's other ways to get capital that don't require giving up control of your company.
0: Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I have pursued some of those options. Definitely, you know, grants yeah. looking non-dilutive options as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Fun times. <laughs> life, life of a startup founder. Different, different decisions every single day.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, where can we... Find you learn about your coaching learn about you all the things
1: oh um you can reach, you can reach me uh by email, 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 email at, at helena at helenafogarty.com helena and, and i'm so on instagram see as see helena, helena mania. mania oh i love it yeah that was my yeah, old I'm rock star, star persona, persona. so
0: <laughs> don't don't shed it keep it yeah yeah listen i still have an email address and people are like where did this come from Yeah, exactly. Hunt runs from my AOL days. Yeah. It was really cool
1: for me to be Helena Manio back in the day.
0: Um,
1: And it's still really cool. Um, But yeah, it's, and my specialty is working with founders um, and helping them achieve goals that they didn't think were possible before.
0: Cool. Awesome. Well, I love it. Thank you so, so very much for all the time, the experience, you're sharing your story and getting raw about it. And I am wishing you all the best, and I and I, I can't wait for us to sync up. I know it'll yeah. be great. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much. So much. It's so, so fun. Yeah. Awesome. I hope Bye. so. Thank you all again for tuning in. This is your host Tamar Weinberg of the Common Sense Podcast. Until next time.